0: to start tonight with uh, Matthew uh, chapter 9, verse 38, and then we're going to read some others. Matthew chapter 9, verse 38, Jesus has been telling them about the harvest, and he said, therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest, and go, uh, over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Yeah, I know. you love it when I do that to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14. I like it when y'all had to turn the pages. Paul's a Paul writing and he reminds us of this truth. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Uh, and then turn over to Second Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. We bypassed one I think I had listed, and it's... Uh, 1 Thessalonians five seventeen, where it says, pray without ceasing. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, the Apostle Paul says, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose mind the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for um, your many blessings, for just allowing us to be here tonight. And, Father, I just ask that you'll guide us in in your word and you'll give us your spirit to understand your word. And, Lord, uh, not only will we learn from it, but we'll apply it to our lives and grow from it. And, Father, that we'll be obedient to your word and do it. These things I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Orson Welles wrote a little essay, I guess you'd call it. And in that essay, he describes a wasp. It's called the severed wasp. And it sort of, I think, illustrates the graphic image of human lostness. Orson was what we'd call staying at a bed and breakfast. They called it a, a, you know, the word left me. Anyway, he was staying at somebody else's house, a boarding house. Thank you. <laughs> okay. And, and as he's eating his toast and jam, uh, he would take a little bit of the jam off the plate and put it on toast and take a bite and take a little jam. And there's this wasp that keeps bothering him. And it's just down there, just a sucking that stuff. And so he just reaches over and cuts its head off. And the wasp just keeps sucking. And at its little esophagus, the, the jam just keeps coming out. And it wasn't until the wasp tried to fly off that he realized what a terrible condition he was in. And that describes lost human beings. They're severed from their souls. They're greedy and unaware. They continue to suck on life's sweetness, never realizing until they try to fly away, until it's time to fly away, their dreadful condition. And so I wanted to look at, do we care tonight? It could really be entitled, How to Pray for the Lost. But knowing this truth, we have to be consistent and concerned in our prayer for those without Christ. We need to be consistent and concerned in our prayer for those without Christ. See, they're in a terrible condition, even if they don't realize it. We're supposed to pray for them that they would accept Christ. So how do we do that? The first thing is this. Uh, it's out of that 1 Corinthians 2.14 passage about spiritual discernment in the 2 Corinthians 2, 4, and, uh, 3, and 4. When it says, uh, again, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age is blinded. Do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So pray, first of all, for God to work in their lives. Pray for God to work in their lives, but there's some specific prayers on how you want God to work. The first one, again, uh, when he talked in 1 Corinthians 2.14 about uh, the natural man cannot discern spiritual things because they, you know, he's lost, uh, what I want you to know is the first thing to pray and work in his lives is to open their spiritual eyes. They have spiritual blinders on. And God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, needs to, to open their eyes eyes that they can discern their condition that they are lost that they are sinners okay the second thing uh, to pray for them is is that they be open to God's love to receive his truth open to God's love to receive his truth in uh, Luke chapter 8 we have the parable of the soils and it says a sower went out to sow his seed and some fell on uh, the hard path, and the birds there came and took it away. And some fell on the shallow soil it sprung up, but it had no root. And as soon as the uh, the fiery trials came, it, it withered. And some fell among the thorns, and it it looked like it was going to produce a crop, but the thorns and the weeds choked it out. And then some fell on good ground, and it produced uh, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. But, but listen to me. What you need to realize is there was nothing wrong with the seed. The seed was the same in all the instances. What was wrong was the soil. And see, we need to pray that folks are open to God's love and His truth. That somehow God sends some workers into the field to cultivate the soil of their hearts. That the Holy Spirit starts scratching and raking the rake there. And and makes them and prepares that soil for God's truth of the gospel. Pray also that the Holy Spirit will draw them. No one is saved. Jesus said no one comes to the Father, okay, but by him. But he went on to say that the Spirit's job was to convict of sin and of judgment and of righteousness. No one comes to him unless the Father drew him. In other words, the Holy Spirit draws lost people. And so we need to ask God to work in their lives. And we need to ask the Holy Spirit to draw them and to give them insight. And then... The final one is this. Pray that barriers will be torn down. Okay, Barriers to torn down. Now, I want to camp out here for just a second. When I say barriers torn down, you say, what kind of barriers? Well, see, they have barriers in their own life. Many folks that I talk with had a bad experience in church. And you talk to them about that, and unfortunately, uh, somebody didn't wasn't friendly, or somebody got after them, or or told them they didn't have the right clothes on to be at church, or you know, those are barriers in that person's life. Or maybe they had a bad experience with uh, family relatives that was a minister or or really involved in church, and that's a barrier. And you have to ask God to tear those down. But not only do they have barriers in their life, we might have barriers in our life. Okay. Because we look at them a little bit funny, like, what are they doing here? They are out of place. They don't look like us. They don't sound like us. They don't smell like us. They don't even talk like us. Those are barriers in our hearts that God has to remove so that we know uh, that it's okay that he drew them to our church. So you pray for God to work in the lives of lost folks And you pray those specific things, okay? I think I've shared before, I prayed for my Uncle Billy Charles. Billy Charles was a good man. He would not accept Christ. I had witnessed to him. Uncle Dick had witnessed to him. The local preacher had witnessed to him several times, okay? And his basic thing was, he was better than half the folks that went to church, so he didn't know why he he wasn't as good as they were. And he was. He didn't lie. He didn't steal. He didn't cheat. He didn't do any of those things, okay? And finally, he had a massive heart attack. Okay, And my uncle Dickie and I went, uh, and we just knew this would finally be able to get his attention. We witnessed there. I can still remember the tubes were everywhere, and he looked bad. But he just shook his head and, head and said, nope, not going to do it. And I told him right then, because the Holy Spirit told me to tell him, God's going to do something worse in your life because you've rejected him one more time. He got out of the hospital, and by the time he was getting well, and Creta got sick and was diagnosed with cancer. That scared him to death. It didn't scare him about him, but it scared him about her. And he accepted Christ, and Creta was fine. She took her treatment and got over it. But you see, we had been praying that God would work, and then we finally came to the point of saying, God, whatever it takes for you to get him to understand he needs Jesus, Uncle Dickie and I prayed, you do it. I felt guilty about that when he had a massive heart attack, but I thought that would do it. I felt guilty when Aunt Creeda got cancer. That did it. And the amazing thing, he died just a couple of years ago, was watching him in church, who had never gone to church, never liked Christian people that much. And to see him in church, Brother Ronnie, he loved the choir. I didn't know he could sing. He didn't sing much. You know, but he got up there in that choir with those men and sang every single Sunday till his health got so bad that he had to stay at home and he died. But you never know how to pray until you turn them over to God. The second thing is this: you pray for God to work in their life, pray for God to work in your life. Okay? See, first Thessalonians five seventeen tells us to pray without ceasing ceasing. And James 1, 5 and 6 tells us if you lack wisdom, to ask God for wisdom. He gives to all liberally and without reproach. In other words, we can ask for wisdom. So first thing to pray for, pray for your motives. Do you have a pharisaical, holier-than-thou attitude? Or do you looking for a spiritual feather to put in your cap or another notch on your belt? You know, your gun belt? I got another one saved, okay? Or do you have genuine love and concern for lost people that are going to die and go to hell without Jesus? There's a drastic difference. So pray for your motives. The second thing, pray for your insight, okay? In other words, you find out people are in trouble and you can see it on their face and they need to talk, you pray that you will have the understanding of the Holy Spirit to try to gain that trust and tell them how their needs can be met. Or help them with their needs. Then, pray about your opportunities. Okay? Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but how many knew you were supposed to speak up one time and you just couldn't bring yourself to do it? Okay? All of us have done that before. And so we need to pray for opportunities that when we have an opportunity, we will see it and that we'll be brave enough to stand up and tell them about Jesus. Okay? Okay? I uh, had an interesting thing happen. Uh, I think it was yesterday. We go to get Lowe's yesterday. Yeah. Uh, On the parking lot, this kid walked up and tried to sell me some stuff. Said he was selling stuff for his youth group. And There's these funky little 3D pictures, you know, where the cats look like they're ready to get you. You know, and I thought, I don't want that. But I said, well, what church you go to? The Unitarian Church. You know what church that is, don't you? It's a Mooney's. Here in Mountain Home, Arkansas, they finally raised. Now, he he wasn't wearing his regular Mooney costume, you know, because they used to wear the white robes and sold the little flowers all over the airports. They've graduated to dressing nicely and selling 3D pictures, okay? And uh, it dawned on me afterwards, hey, I could have witnessed to him. I should have engaged him more. Too late. He'd already walked off to from- another group of guys. So don't miss your opportunities and realize there are people out there you don't think are really there, but they're here. Or how should I say? They're here. Okay? And then, when you pray those things, what I want you to realize is you will receive wisdom. You'll receive the wisdom of God. Okay? Uh, You see, we need that wisdom. I don't know about you. I mean, some of you I think I do. But does... Have you ever wondered how does somebody just not accept Christ and stay lost? Okay. And and I'm going to tell you how how that happens in just a second. I wanted to read you a verse of Scripture, though. It's uh, 1 Peter chapter 3. I'm going to read it. I thought I had it marked, but I didn't. Chapter 3, verse 15. He says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give an offense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope That is in you with meekness and fear. So when we pray for wisdom, God's going to give us so that we can tell them why we have hope. Okay? And we can give them a reason. But if you wonder how somebody is lost and doesn't receive Christ and keeps, I mean, they just stay lost. How does a cow get lost? One step at a time. time. They go from this bunch of green grass to that bunch of green grass to that bunch of green grass and if they forget where the hole in the fence was they stay lost going to the next clump of green grass people stay lost because they go from one experience here they're looking for something they go to another experience here looking for something they go over there still looking for something they go to the next thing and it's sort of fun in all these stops but they never seem to find what they want because they're lost we have what they're looking for. That's how they stay lost. And I think it, <clears throat> I think we need to remember that, that, that lost folks uh, or lost folks don't expect them to act like you or talk like you. Now I expect Christian folks to act a certain way. Mm-hmm. But when lost folks offend you, good. You should be offended. You're not supposed to act that way. But don't let them know you're offended. Just smile and keep telling them about Jesus. Now, that's my soapbox. Let's go on. The third thing, pray for their response. Okay? Now, you'll notice we didn't read anything in the scripture that said we were responsible for their response. That's the good news. I'm responsible for sharing the seed, the gospel of Christ. I'm responsible for telling them that I have a relationship with Jesus and they need one too. I am not responsible for them accepting Christ. That is God's job. Okay? I learned that sort of the hard way. Uh, I told you that my... Uh, my mama prayed for at least 18 years for my daddy to be saved. And I'd prayed for a long time, and I just finally decided he's a reprobate. He's one of those that's never going to be saved. Like, I know that. We don't know that. When he was finally saved and everybody came through the line shaking his hand, we've been praying for you, we've been praying for you. I had to shake my head. Oh, I stopped praying a couple of years ago. That's terrible. And so I kept praying for my Uncle Tom after that, my dad's brother. Uncle Tom was just a funny guy. Uh, he, he loved telling jokes. He liked making fun of me. We'd work together in the hayfield. We'd work together uh, um, doing lumber. Uh, he'd take me fishing. Uh, we would uh, go squirrel hunting. I learned from Uncle Tom that you could hunt squirrels with a twenty-two because they run to the end of the limb, and right before they jump, they stop. And that, you get to the end of the limb, and you can shoot them right out of the tree. Okay. Uncle Tom was a sharp fella, but he didn't want anything to do with Jesus. OK, he, he'd never been around that. He figured that uh, Aunt Ruth was a Catholic and that was as much religion as they needed in the home, even though she never went to church ever. Well, we finally came to the point. Dad and I were just saying, OK, God, do what it takes. He's got to be saved. He had a massive heart attack. Here's the difference between him and Uncle Billy. He was so scared when I walked into uh, the ICU He knew I was there, started crying immediately, took my hand, and croaked out, barely could talk, tell me about Jesus. And it was my pleasure to lead him to Christ. And he's gone now, but one of these days, I get to see him again too. But you see, we had to pray for his response. You see, you don't have to give up. It's not your responsibility. Don't you give up praying. Don't you give up witnessing. Don't you give up being nice to him. You never know what God's up to. Then the last thing is pray about your responsibility. Now, Here's what I mean. In 1 Corinthians 4.16, the Apostle Paul said this to the believers in Corinth. He said, imitate me. Now, is that shocking to you? Imitate me. How many of us could come up to, to a new believer and say, you need to imitate me. You need to do as I do. Now that's a challenge, isn't it? And that's what I'm saying when we pray about our responsibility. Our first responsibility is to model Christ to a lost world. And new believers look to older believers to see how they're supposed to act, what they're supposed to do, how they're supposed to pray, how they're supposed to read their Bibles. If you don't believe that, watch some of these kids. Have you noticed that they pray some of the same things the adults pray? They found somebody that's modeled it for them. You see, we're to be a model. We're to be a disciple. See? Uh, We pray that we'll help new Christians grow. When you read the book of Acts, chapter 2, beginning with about verse 41, it says um, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Okay? And it goes on and says in prayer, in the breaking of bread, and from house to house they ate their meat with simplicity and gratefulness and gladness of heart. And you keep on going. And it says they had all things in common. They helped one another. You see? The apostles grounded them in the word and told them how to act and love one another. And that's what we're supposed to do for new believers. You see, sometimes, and I want you to hear this, I don't want this to go, you're you're sleepy and you're ready to go, but don't miss this. Sometimes God doesn't bring that person to faith into our church because we're not ready to have them. What, What do you mean? We haven't made the commitment to love on them when they come through the back door. We haven't made the commitment to make sure that they're in Sunday school and other classes to make sure they grow. We're not ready to have them because we're not ready to invest our time in that person. And let me tell you, new believers are just like babies. They require lots of time to keep keep them where they're supposed to be, okay? If you don't think... Babies are a lot of work. Again, volunteer for the nursery for a few Sundays. Okay, wait, wait, wait for us to get a few more babies, though. (laughs) Lois, no, Clint Peverell, told me he had a new church growth strategy. I'm supposed to start preaching about go forth and multiply. (laughs) It would be better if we just reach some young couples. So y'all, y'all, y'all tell Clint that, that he and Judy need to start. <laughs> or just tell, just tell Judy that that's what Clint told me. That's the way I interpreted it. That'll, that'll be better. Okay. But you see, people are not going to be saved if we don't care enough to pray for them. I've asked you two or three times this year, and we're going to continue the year. Who is your one person? That one person you want to see saved. That one person you want to see come to the Lord or get right with the Lord. And then my second question is, are you praying for them like this every day? Are you praying for the eyes to be open? Are you praying for God to remove barriers? Are you praying for barriers out of your life? Are you praying for your responsibility? Are you praying for their response? Are you praying without ceasing? You don't want to be like me. After praying for my daddy for so long, ever since I was a little bit bitty kid, and then finally get so mad at him that I wasn't going to pray anymore because he's never going to change, and then God saved him. Oh, my goodness. And then I couldn't walk by and say, Dad, I've been praying for you too. That was embarrassing. And I said, I'm not going to ever be guilty of that again. Don't stop praying. Because if we had testimony, all of us could stand up and say, I never thought I'd see so-and-so saved. I never thought I'd see this one saved or that one saved. And yet they've been saved. After 20 years or 30 years or 40 years. And there's some, I'm sure, that are still going to be saved. So I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Please. Maybe tonight you just want to come in rededication that you're going to pray for at least one lost person. That one that God has placed on your heart, that one that weighs you down. You're just going to continue to pray for that person till they come and get it right. Or maybe it's just somebody that is out of fellowship with the Lord. You know they're a Christian, but they're just out of fellowship, and really they need to be reclaimed for the kingdom of God and and for the church. And you're going to pray for that one, and you want to come privately to this altar and just lift that name up and make your commitment that from now on every day you're going to pray for him. Maybe you need to come and accept Christ as Lord and Savior because you're not a Christian. Maybe you need to come in rededication because you haven't been living for Christ. Maybe somebody's here and you have other decisions that need to be made. But you need to make them. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation after I pray and you come as you need to come. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the challenge it gives us. Help me to care. Help our church to care. Let us be a, a city set on a hill, a light to a lost community. And Lord, let us pray for those we love so much that are lost. Make us care. In Christ's name, amen.